Good to have you here. We are just about done our series on the family, family life. And uh, for those of you who have been waiting for the message about women, wives and mothers, it's next week, so you don't want to miss that. And uh, ladies, as an incentive for you to come here next week, we've got a surprise for you. Something that's going to relieve your stress and bring great joy to you. And that's all I'm going to say. So make sure you come. It's going to be waiting for you. So we've been talking about, uh, about family life, and one of the things we've been talking a lot about lately is the fact that Jesus said, have come that you might have life, and have it how? More abundantly. Rich and satisfying life. Some people have said, I've tried Jesus, but it doesn't work. Okay, so I just got to say this before I go any further. Uh, a lot of people don't understand what it means to try Jesus. They think, well, all I got to do is, you know, sort of show up for church and uh, maybe throw a few dollars in the offering plate and hope, hopefully something good will come out of that. Okay, so here's what it means to really try Jesus. To try Jesus means to do what he says. And if you do that, then you're going to find that you've, your, your marriage improves, your family life improves, uh, your finances, everything improves. Basically, it's the opposite to uh, country western songs. Yeah. We want you today to learn what it means to submit to God and learn what it means to find the fulfillment, the happiness, the peace that God wants you to have, the joy that God promises. So that when you say you tried Jesus, you've really tried it the right way. Now, George Barna he noted that there are some 36,000 books on the family, on the subject of the family, and it would take a full 21 years to read all those books. So by that time, your kids are all grown up and left home. So what are we going to do here? You don't have time to read 30, uh, 36,000 books on the subject, but I can tell you in one service what you need to do in order to secure a great and happy family life. And this morning, um, I want you to know this, that families don't have to fall apart. Your marriage does not have to fall apart. You don't need to struggle the way you may be struggling. God wants you to have a happy, rich, and fulfilling marriage, a happy and rich, fulfilling family life. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about how to have that rich, satisfying, and, and, and happy family. Now, before I go there, i got to say this. i got to ask the question, what is it or what happens that families fall apart? How do marriages fall apart? And I'm going to tell you, very simply, it's because storms come along that you weren't expecting. Things happen that you did not expect. Things, things uh, came your way. You didn't expect it to come your way. There's all kinds of dangers that we cannot fully appreciate or understand until they're upon us. And then, by then, for most of us, it's just simply too late. So how do we survive? Well, I'm going to show, share with you a scripture verse from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It's from the New Testament. And uh, here's, here's what it says. It says, By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see. Now, just stop there for a moment. He was warned about something he couldn't see. Do you know that for most of us, our marriages, our families get into trouble because of things we can't see down the line? 
And then it goes on to say, and he acted on what he was told. Folks, do you understand that the very basis, at the very heart of the Christian faith is an obedience to God? It's a willingness to do what God says, to act on what God tells us. That's what Noah did. The result? His family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. So what do you need to do then in order to save your family the catastrophe, the the disaster that so many are facing and some of you are facing even now and some of you have faced in the past? What can we do in order to get it right this time? Well, like Noah, you and I need to build a boat. Now, it's not a real boat. I'm talking about a metaphorical boat. And we'll talk about more than just a moment. Noah builds this boat, and he literally saves his family from something that he knew nothing about. He did not know what a storm was. He did not know what a, what a flood was. I'm not going to get into the science of it today, but there are some scientists who would suggest that at one time, the world uh, did not experience rain as we experience it now, that at maybe one time the, the world was, was surrounded by a water canopy, that that was actually one of the layers of, of our atmosphere, and that instead of rain, what we had was a condensation or a heavy dew that actually kept everything green and actually um, jungle-like, really. But suddenly, things change. Noah's world is literally turned upside down. They experience something that they've never experienced before. They experience floodwaters. They experience storms. Things that, again, they've never experienced before. The question is this. What will you do when the storm comes your way? What will you do when the floods come your way? Most of us right now are very vulnerable. Most of us are not ready for the storms that life, the storms that are ahead of us in this life. So let's take a look for a moment at the storm and, and the realization that storms are in fact coming. Look what it says here. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. Now some have a very immature idea of God very immature idea of Christ and what God does in our life. Some people have this idea that, you know, if I become a Christian, then everything's going to turn out right. I will not have any more problems. That person who said, I tried Jesus and it didn't work, a very immature approach to God. They thought that once they became a Christian or once they surrendered their life to God or once they started coming to church, then they would have no more problems anymore. Can I just remind everybody that we're still on planet Earth? We haven't gone to heaven yet. We're still in a world that is subject to decay. It's subject to, to disease. It's subject to problems. It's subject to temptations and trials and on and on and on. But some of us have this idea that if I just become a Christian, I'll never have a problem again. And this is where we get into trouble because when the storms come, when the trials come, we're not ready for it. And yet the Bible clearly warns us that trials... Temptation, struggles is what this life is all about. This is what this life is about until we, in fact, do get to heaven. That's what the Bible says. Look at the uh, Apostle Peter says in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. 
Paul, Peter is, is, is pointing out very clearly that trials and difficulties, that's part of life. Now, what you and I need to understand is that this life is about storms, trials, and temptations. And the Christian life is about how to survive the storm. That's what the Christian life is about. It's about how to survive the many trials and many difficulties and many storms that this life has to offer. When I was a camp counselor, Red Rock Youth Camp, uh, Calvary Temple Youth Camp, uh, out in the White Shell, um, we gave clear instructions to the kids. We told the kids, look, at, you need to have canoe lessons so that when you go out into the canoe, you can actually get back to shore. And we told the kids, you need to stay near the shoreline. Don't wander out too far. So, I'm, I'm having a rest. It's my, it's my rest time. I'm one of the counselors. And all of a sudden, I get a call. Knock on my door. Furious knock on the door. Alan, come. you got to come. you got to come. I come running out. And I said, what's the matter? I look up, and it's starting to rain a little bit. And the clouds are gathering. And if anybody's ever been to the white shell, you know that the white shell knows how to have a storm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They know to have like the thunder, the lightning, the whole nine yards. Now, there in the middle of the lake are two kids who figured that after two hours of canoeing that they were now experts. They're in the middle of the lake and they can't get back. So I got in a rowboat and I started rowing out to the middle of the lake to try to rescue these kids. And when they saw me coming... What did they do? They stood up. Uh, you know where this is going because you've been in a canoe before. They stood up and they started. They weren't singing. <laughs> they were screaming, help, help. And next thing you know, over the edge they went. So now I'm rolling like mad and got to them, picked them up, got them in the boat, and was able to tow the canoe back while it's pouring raining and it's lightning. I said, what were you guys thinking? And you know what they said? They said, we didn't know a storm was coming. We didn't know a storm was coming. Now, this is a one. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart now. Because this is what so many of us do. We, we, we just go out into the deep end of life. And we say, we didn't know the storm was going to come. And when the storm comes, we're in serious trouble. And I watch families fall apart. I watch families drown. I watch marriages fall apart. It's part of one of the saddest things I have to deal with as a pastor. And I, almost, well, I, I can say that every single one, it doesn't have to be that way. If only people would take precautions. If only people would do what they needed to do to survive the storm. So this, the question I have for you this morning is this. Is, are you ready to face the storms that are coming your way? It's not a matter of if they're going to come. It's a matter of when. You will face storms. That's what it means to live in this world. You will face difficulty. You will face struggle. It's what it means to live in this world. Does anybody remember Hurricane Katrina? And do you remember that all these people were warned, you need to get out of your homes. You need to take precautions. You need to get away. Or you're going to be in trouble. Oh, no, no, no. We'll, we'll be able to face this. That's not a problem. And of course, they never faced, uh, uh, what was that, a, a, a number five on the scale. But it's like the, the worst kind of hurricane you could ever get. I mean, you know the aftermath. The whole southern states flooded out and thousands and thousands of people killed. Why? Because they weren't prepared to face the storms. Some of you today are facing storms right now. Some of you have actually come through some pretty wicked storms. 
And others of you are going to face storms ahead. You're going to experience financial difficulty. You maybe never experienced it before. You're going to experience maybe employment problems. I don't know. But it's going to be a storm. You're going to try to keep up with the Joneses. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You see your neighbor's got a brand new car, and you've got to get one. I mean, I remember driving my old 2007 Ford uh, Freestar, and Tom got a brand new Toyota uh, van. Okay, well, remember, I still got kids, so vans are still interesting to me. Um, and I'm thinking, man, it sure be nice to have a van like that. And I just thought, you know what, I can't do that. But this week, uh, this past week, uh, somebody ran into the back of me, so I think I got a write-off. <laughs> and I think I might get my new van after all. But I'm kind of leaning towards the edge with the EcoBoost. Well, no, I won't get into that. But you, you get my point, right? The storms come, and what do you do with that? How do you face it? Are you able to face it? You begin to struggle in your marriage. You got, you got married the first week. was fantastic. It was, it's the honeymoon phase. Nothing she can say is going to make you mad, and nothing he can say is going to make you mad. You just love each other, and it's fantastic. Some people, the honeymoon lasts a week. <laughs> Some, it lasts a year. Some, it never, you never did get that honeymoon. It's been difficulty, difficulty from day one. You know, you can put up with the snoring so much, but, I mean, okay, now, you know, it's long enough. You know, go sleep in another room, dear. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can put up with it so much, but, you know, you're, you're done now. And you're just wondering, can I really put up with this for 50 years? She's getting ready for, for church, just about ready to go out the door. The baby fills its pants, and she's like, oh. And he's in the garage honking the horn. And she knows what that honking means. It means, get your tail out here. We're late for church. And now she's mad. She didn't want to go to church. And he's mad at her because she's being belligerent. And he's doing his job. He's honking that horn, helping her get there faster. (laughs) And the first storm hits. It's a week. She hasn't talked to him for a week. He hasn't got a clue what he did wrong. She finally breaks down and tells him. He gets mad at her for getting the silent treatment for a week. And on and on it goes. And the storm hits. Little Johnny goes to school. He's got a learning disability. The next storm hits. There's a death in the family. Another storm hits. You lost your job, another storm hits. And one storm after another hits. And the question is this, is how is your family, how is your marriage going to weather the storm? What are you going to do? Well, look, at, there's some storms we have no control over. There's some storms they hit us. Illness, you got no control over that. Death in the family, you got no control over that. But then there's a lot of storms, my friends, that are of our own making. And you know what I'm talking about. We got ourselves into that mess. The question is this, is how is your family going to survive? Do you know that your family is a gift from God to you? Your family is a place of safety. It's a place of security. It's a place of belonging. It's a place where you are loved and cared for, where you are surrounded by people who really care about you and want to protect you. 
Now, that's God's ideal, but for many of you, that is not the reality in your home today. Because kids, all the time, they don't want to go home. They want to stay away from home as long as possible because they don't want to go home and face a father that's drunk. They don't want to go home and face, face a mother who's miserable because her husband's drunk all the time. They don't want to face a mother screaming and yelling at them all the time. And she doesn't want to be there. She'd rather go play bingo than take time to, to be with the kids or to be with her husband. And, and, and family life is miserable. It's a mess. What's, what's the condition of your family today? Is your place, is your family a safe place? Is it a happy place? Is it a place where everybody wants to be? Is it a place you want to come home to at the end of the day? Or is it a place you want to stay away from as long as possible? There's a lot of people who are miserable. I'm going to tell you, God's ideal for you and for your family is that you know happiness and joy and peace. That it's a sanctuary from the cruelty and the craziness of this life. My question to you this morning is, are you ready to face the storms? Noah built a ship to weather the storm that he was about to face. Now remember, he had no idea that the storm was coming. He had no idea that a flood was coming. It was all foreign to him. The concept was foreign to him. But here's what he did. He trusted God and he obeyed him. He was warned about something he couldn't see. And what did he do? He acted on what he was told. He obeyed God. He did what God said. Now, what you need to understand today, the Christian life, when it calls you to obey God, it's not because God wants to make your life miserable or wants to take away your fun. Because that's what a lot of people think about God. That's what a lot of people think about the Bible. That's what people think about the church. That God just wants to steal your fun. That's not it at all. What God wants to do for you is he wants to give you a great life. He wants to give you a great family life. He wants you to have a great marriage. He wants your kids to turn out right. But you've got to do what he says. So Noah builds a boat. I'm going to say this. In the, in the actual original language, both in the Greek and the Hebrew, the, the word, the, what we've got here for ship is in fact ark, A-R-K. It's, in Hebrew, it's the same thing. It's an ark. What is an ark? An ark is not like a ship. A ship is built to go to a destination. An ark is quite different. And really, the word that should be used here is the word ark. And I'll tell you why. Because an ark, very simply, is a refuge. It's a safe place. It's a place for you to go and run from the storms of life. That's what your family's supposed to be. When your kids come home at the end of the day, they've just been in a world that is, if you're living a Christian life, if you're following Christian values, they are living in a world that has values that, is, that are diametrically opposed to your values. So when they come home beaten up by the world, they need to know that they're going to come home to a safe place. Look what it says there. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. Do you know that that's exactly what your family is about? Your family is a, is a, is a protection. It's a refuge from the crazy, crazy place that we call this world. And it's not just your kids, by the way. You too. You face it all the time. So what's the boat that we got to build? 
What does it look like? Okay, so here's the thing. When I was preparing my message today, I thought, now the, the answer to that question, <laughs> you ready? It's not terribly profound, but it is extremely profound. The answer is something that everybody here knows the answer to. You, you, know, this, you know this answer. And I'm thinking to myself, if I, if I share this answer, everybody's going to tune out and say, oh, I already know this, Pastor. I'll just wait till you're done. Let me just have a quick little snooze here. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid that you're going to tune me out when I tell you what the answer is. What does it mean to build a boat? It's something you all know. So would you promise me now that you're going to think deeply about this and go to a new level? Because many of us have head knowledge, but it never hits our heart, and it never becomes action. It doesn't become something we do. So here's what you need to build. Here's what the ship needs to look like that you're going to build, that ark, that refuge. Are you ready? Very simply, you have got to build a family structure that is 100% dedicated, committed, ready? To obeying God. You all knew that, didn't you? I got to obey God. Okay, here's a problem. We know it here, but when it comes to actually living it out, that's a completely different story. So I want to talk to you right now about radical obedience to God. What does that mean? Because I can guarantee you this, is that if you, if you radically obey God, it will radically change your marriage. It will radically change your family life. You will have a joy in your family, a joy in your marriage, a happiness, a peace that you haven't known for years. What does it mean to obey God? Well, can I remind you then that this idea, this, this, this notion of obeying God is in fact what it means to hide in God, to find in God a refuge? Noah understood that by faith. Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. He obeyed God. This, this became his refuge. His obedience to God was his refuge. Do you get that? It's critical that you get that. Because every time you obey God, the Bible tells us that there's a blessing that follows that. King David understood that. In his Psalms, he writes, Then I pray to you, O Lord, I say, You are my place of refuge. You are all I want in life. Number one, that's number one in David's life. Solomon says, Those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a refuge for their children. The number one pursuit in Solomon's life was God, obeying God. Joshua said, But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We will obey God. The question for you today is this. Are you obeying God? Are you putting God first? Is God number one in your life? You see, the ship, the boat, the ark, whatever you want to call it, the, the structure that you need to build for your family to keep them safe is found in this simple, simple teaching. Obey God. Now you can say, well, I think I obey God. I think we put God first. We're not bad people. We're good people. I'm not, I'm not talking about are you good people or bad people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm asking this question. Are you actually living your life out so that you are obeying God all the time? Has anybody ever heard of WWJD? Right? WWJD? What would Jesus drive? 
a Ford Edge EcoBoost. <laughs> what would Jesus do? Okay, it became a big joke. It was on the internet. Everybody was talking about it. It was uh, it became it was a, the parodies were just went on and on and on. T-shirts and caps and bracelets. WWJD. The problem is, is that nobody actually asks that question and nobody actually does that. Now, in our family, we've built a structure for our children and for ourselves, for glory and for me. Where we are committed to radical obedience to Christ. Where we ask ourselves a question all the time, what would Jesus do? Now, what does that mean, practically speaking? Very simply, it means this. It means when you sit down to watch TV, you have to make, ask yourself a question. I'm telling you, this is radical stuff. And if you do it, it will change your life. It will change your marriage. When you sit down and watch TV, you have to ask yourself the question, would Jesus sit and watch this? Hmm. Now, that's gonna, that, that helps you make a decision, doesn't it? When you sit down at the computer and you begin to, you know, begin to search it and, and look at what's on there, you've got to ask yourself the question, would Jesus look at this? When you get on the telephone and start talking to your friends, you've got to ask yourself the question, would Jesus talk like that? When you're around the water cooler at work, you've got to ask yourself the question, would Jesus talk like that? Would Jesus listen to what you're listening to? When you're driving down the highway, driving down the road, would Jesus drive like that? Would Jesus do that? Now, it sounds, it sounds almost ludicrous, but here's what you've got to understand. Is it obedience to Jesus Christ... Obedience to God is really what it means to be a Christ follower. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. This is the basis, my friends, of the Christian life. And my friends, this is what's going to keep your family safe and keep your marriage safe. How do you know whether you're on the right track? Well, here's something interesting. Ask your kids. Ask your kids, ask them this, ask them this question. Say to your kids, what do you think is the most important thing in my life? I, I, I challenge you parents to do that. Right after the service, say to your kids, what do you think is the most important thing in my life? And see what they say. And if they say it's, it's your car, or if they say it's your business, or if they say it's your money, if they say it's anything other than God, then you know that you have got some serious work to do in your marriage, on your family. You need, some, you need to get your priorities straight. Do you pray together? Do you attend church together? Do you have a value system? Remember a few weeks ago we talked about a value system. Do you have a value system that reflects the teachings of Scripture? Do your kids see you lying or cheating or stealing? You say, well, Pastor, it's not big stuff. It's just little little white lies. And I, I I don't cheat much, just a wee little bit. Can I tell you this? You cheat a little bit, your kids see you cheating a little bit, they'll take it to a whole new level. Because I can tell you what you, here's what you need to know. We're, we as a, as a culture, as a society, are constantly on a downward spiral. We don't get better, we get worse. And your job is to protect your children, to, check, to, to protect your family, to protect your marriage, and here's how you're going to do it. You're going to teach your kids to obey God. You as a couple, you as a family, you as a parent are going to teach your kids that the most important thing in life is to obey God, to do what he says. I'm going to say this, that every one of us, 
in the course of a day, literally makes thousands and thousands of decisions. Some say that we make over 20,000 decisions a day. Every time you make a move, you ask yourself, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I go here? Should I go there? Should I say this? Should I say that? When you have made a commitment to obey God, you will find yourself being led by the Holy Spirit to make the right decision every time. We get into trouble when we fail to make the right decisions, when we choose to go against God's word. What you and I need to do is we need to make obedience to God our natural instinct. It should be reflexive. We should, this should be the first thing that comes to mind. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to choose to say the right thing. I'm going to go the right place. I'm going to do the right thing every time. I remember when I was a, uh, a young boy, my father came home from work and he smelled like smoke. And I don't mean tobacco. I mean like, like a bonfire. And I said, so where were you? What happened? And he, there's a house on fire at the end of the street. And before the firemen even got there, my dad ran into the house to see if there's anybody in there. My question is, was, were you scared? Did, are you, did you think this through? But the instinct, the reflex, is to do the right thing. To not even think about his own safety. Not even to think that his life could be in danger. That his family might be without a father. He just ran in there to check it out. This is what I'm talking about. About, about being guided by principles that cause you to make right decisions so you don't even hardly have to think about it. You just naturally choose to do the right thing every time. I want to tell you, if your kids can learn to do that, then you're going to find your life radically changed. Rather than having troubles in your marriage, rather than having trouble with your kids, rather than finding yourself facing storms that you can't, you can't face, Rather than finding yourself drowning, you're going to find yourself safe, afloat, able to make it through whatever life brings your way. But I'm going to tell you this, it, it won't happen by accident. It won't happen by chance. You will not survive the storm by accident or by chance. It'll be because you've taken plans to build a ship. I want you to see this. It says here that Noah built a, a ship on, in the middle of dry land. You know what that implies? When everything was good, that's when he built the ship. That's when he made plans to get his family on track. To, and that's what you and I need to do. Have you sat down yet to make your value statement to decide how you as a family are going to live? You need to do it now before the storms strike. While the ground is still dry. You need to make precautions now. You need to put things in place to protect your marriage and your family now. Because the storms will come. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I can tell you this, God wants you to survive, he wants you to make it through. But you've got to do what he says. You've got to make a decision to obey God every time. Now I've got some good news for you. Look what it says there. It says he was warned about something he couldn't see, and he acted on what he was told. Look at this. The result, the result, his family was saved. His family was saved. That's about the best news that I can share with you today, is that you don't 
have to suffer or drown. You don't have to fail. You don't have to lose it all. You can keep it together. And God has given you clear instructions how to do that. It's called obeying God. That, my friend, is your ark. That's your ship. That's your refuge. That's your safe place. Simple obedience to God. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, thank you so much for instruction from your word. Thank you, God, that you love us. And in the midst of this world that is so full of troubles and difficulties and storms, there is a warm, dry, safe place. It's called obedience to God. God, when we live there, radically obedient to you, and we do what your word tells us to do, that's when we're safe. That's when our family is safe, our kids are safe. We pray right now, God, that you would, by your spirit, give us the grace to take steps even today. To have that discussion as a family, as a couple. To say that from this day forward, we will serve God. We will put God first in in every way and everything. God, we pray that today we be given the grace and the strength to follow you and to do your will. God, I thank you today that you love each one here. And I know, God, some right now are struggling and suffering. They're in the middle of a storm right now. God, would you just reach out to them right now and by your spirit, give them hope and help them to see that, that there are steps that they can take immediately to change their, their circumstances. This is called obedience to God, doing what God says. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you, commit each family to you, asking God for mercy, for grace, for strength to get this right. In Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Amen. Amen. It's our pleasure today uh, to dedicate...